Hello, listeners. My name is Cheryl Guinan, and I am a member of the 2020 New Leadership Nevada. And I am surrounded by some beautiful ladies here who I can't wait for you to meet. Um, my name is Ashley Kemmer. Um, I am also a part of the 2020 New Leadership class, and I'm excited to share our stories with you. I'm Perla. I'm also a part of the class, and I'm really excited to be able to share our stories because I know there are so many women out there who deal with imposter syndrome, and I hope that this is comforting hearing us and our stories. Hi, my name is Noelle Garcia, and I am in new leadership as their faculty and resident. And what you guys have had to say and your vulnerability really just kind of allowed me to connect with you guys, even though our stories are different, but they're also so similar. So I remember feeling anxious. I felt like I didn't really belong. I felt like I was underqualified to be there. Feeling like you don't fit in and like you shouldn't be somewhere you want to be is extremely terrifying. I remember when I sat across from Mr. Barney, my AP and honors government teacher, um, I wanted to be a part of the We the People program so freaking badly. Like, as nerdy as it sounds, constitutional law is kind of my thing. Um, so the way that my school conducted the program, um, because we were so small, was that only the students that took AP government were allowed to participate in the program. And I found out before my senior year that I wasn't going to be able to take AP government because it didn't fit in with my schedule. But somehow, by a miracle, Mr. Barney let me participate even though I wasn't going to be an AP Gov. I was the first student he had ever made that exception for, so that already was a bunch of pressure. Then came the actual coursework. AP government kids went through the class material at a lot faster pace than the regular government classes because they had to go through all of it before the We the People competition in December. School started in August. So as an honors government student, we went through materials at a slower pace because we didn't need to be finished by a certain time. So by the time the competition came around, I was four out of six units behind in the coursework because it wasn't covered in my class and I could only do so much independent study work. I felt like I shouldn't have been there with everyone else because I didn't think I was as prepared or as smart in some of the subject matter as some of the other kids. But to my surprise, I ended up actually getting the highest individual score in my unit and answering the most questions and really showing an immense depth of knowledge that I didn't even realize I had. But the whole time I kept thinking that I wasn't going to be as successful or as good in the program because I felt I wasn't as prepared or as smart as the other participants. I felt like I didn't belong there and I felt like the other students thought that I didn't belong there as well. Imposter syndrome is real, even if you don't know what it's called. Sometimes you don't even realize it's something you're associating with. It's something that makes you feel lonely, not good enough, and overall just really awful. But sometimes to overcome it, the best way is to just follow through with the thing that's making you insecure. You'll surprise yourself at what you're able to accomplish. From my experiences in the We the People district and the state competition is that you have to believe in yourself, even if other people don't. You have to be your biggest supporter because if you don't believe in yourself, nobody else will. Since I was a young child, I've had this crippling fear that I'm not smart, let alone capable of completing college. Let me be honest with you, I've always had friends tell me I'm intelligent, but I do not believe them or I disregard their comments as being nice. I too often feel dumb or old or too behind to learn after receiving a compliment regarding my intelligence. These are things I reply with, no, that's not me. 
I have difficulty helping my daughter with third grade new math. It was a huge hurdle for me to overcome my fear and enroll in college after 18 years of being out of school. And it's because of those feelings, I will never forget October 19th, 2019. That day, I received a letter of recommendation from one of my professors to send with my application for New Leadership Nevada. As I was reading the recommendation, I had to pause, reread, and read again. It said Cheryl is currently the top student in my courses, which numbers over 200 students in total. I'm planning to nominate Cheryl as the top political science student of the year. I was elated. I was beaming with shock and filled with joy. So much so, I shared it openly with many of my coworkers and a few special friends. I should point out that I never share like this. My coworkers and close friends, knowing my fear of school, were fabulous in reinforcing the positive comments I received and sharing the, I told you so, and I knew you were smart remarks, just to rub it in. It was a beautiful and exciting afternoon for me. It will probably be one of my top memories forever. I allowed myself to say I was smart that day. Allowing myself is way out of the norm because I suffer from imposter syndrome. That feeling of joy and empowerment I felt in myself lasted maybe six hours. By bedtime, I was already thinking, eh, I'm an online student. My teacher really doesn't know me. Maybe my teacher has me mixed up with some other student. Eh, I'm just lucky I got A's. The teacher did allow open book for that last test. There is no way I'm going to get student of the year. Imposter Cheryl took over, and she was out of control. Imposter Cheryl was also 100% wrong. I was selected as student of the year for political science department. I fight frequently to be on top of my headspace and in control when imposter syndrome creeps in. It's an inner fight worth fighting every time, though. One day, I might not have to fight as hard. I'm just going to know, hey, I'm Cheryl, I'm here, and I belong. Over the years, I've acquired some strategies to overcome that negative voice, but it's hard work for me to catch up, to block it out. Thankfully, I know I'm not alone in this. There's lots of us that face imposter syndrome, and there's lots of strategies to help us overcome it. The first time I really experienced imposter syndrome was when I received the Customer All-Star Award at Nordstrom. Since my future goal is to work in the fashion industry, I decided to work for Nordstrom to get my foot in the door. Since the first day I started working, I was determined to be awarded Customer All-Star. This award is the highest award that an employee can receive because it represents dedication to customers and your worth ethic. I received this award just five months working with the company. At the recognition meeting, I felt so proud of this accomplishment. I remember seeing my picture and thinking, I'm so proud of her. My store manager told people about all of the customers I helped and what kind of employee I was. The months following the ceremony is when the imposter syndrome started to set in. My manager told me that other managers wanted to work in the, wanted me to work in their department. I was given styling appointments with high-paying customers, and suddenly everyone knew my name in the store. The women's shoe manager approached me and told me, I want you in my department. I've told your manager I'm taking Perla into my department. Perla, I need someone to challenge and motivate my team. I think you're the one to do that. I would make you assistant manager if you were in school. Imposter syndrome smacked me straight in the face. I was feeling so happy with the one of her comments she was saying, but I was also thinking, are you sure you didn't mistake me for someone else? Of course, I accepted to move departments, but I was terrified. 
I was terrified that as soon as she directly started working with me, she would think, why did I hire her? She isn't, she isn't even as good as people say. She's an average worker. I don't think she's manager material anymore. Obviously, she didn't say this to me, but I felt it every day at work. I felt like I didn't belong. I should go back to my old apartment that I felt comfortable in. To be honest, I still feel this from time to time. Imposter syndrome is something I'm still working on conquering. After Noel, it's like someone pointed a magic wand at me and filled me with confidence and power. When I return back to work, I want to feel confident again. I want to show myself that all that my manager said is true, that I'm an excellent worker and a great saleswoman. I think the biggest tip in getting out of imposter syndrome is changing your mindset. All that imposter syndrome really is is self-doubt and negative self-talk. In order to conquer imposter syndrome, you have to see how other women have changed their mindset. Sometimes you're so in your head, you have to get your friends, family to tell, to tell you how they see you. I guarantee that if I told my best friend all my thoughts, she would tell me the opposite. In conclusion, fix your mindset and get out of your head. I remember when I was notified of an athletic scholar, soccer scholarship offer in my senior year of high school. Most were partial scholarships to a handful of Cal State and small name schools in California. I also received some academic rides to Chapman and UCI, which were near my home. I was thrilled. I had created options for myself. Yet when my acceptance to UCLA came, I was in shock. Some background, UCLA undergraduate program has about 69,000 applicants and admits about 12% of the California residents. This was back when your acceptance letters came in the mailbox, not your inbox. I had wanted to go to UCLA because my older sister was there and had shown me and introduced me to the campus and the amazing people there. I went to one of many orientation dates provided in the large envelope package that came in the mail with my acceptance letter. In the orientation, there were about 200 students in the auditorium. I couldn't believe I was sitting there alone on this journey thinking, am I really supposed to be here? I know we have all had feelings of disbelief about ourselves, almost as if we were frauds. This is commonly called imposter syndrome. I see this as a question of how do we look to accept our successes? This acceptance of ourselves and our success, as well as our failures, is critical to growing as a person. We are dynamic individuals and growth comes from many experiences and stories we have to experience in our life along with intersectionalities of our lives. So how do I go about being proud of myself or yourself? Some methods I use for accepting success. I've learned to say thank you and take that moment to appreciate uh, that moment I am living in. I talk about the accomplishment with my friends and my family. I also consider it a stepping stone for my next accomplishment and set myself new goals. I laugh, cry, or joke about it with others. Those are some of the ways I go about coping with my imposter syndrome. So um, sharing all our stories, I, as I was listening to each of you share your story, I was like, oh my gosh, how, how can she feel so unsure? Yet I feel unsure myself. But um, Perla, there was one point during your story where you said, I was looking at this picture and you said her. And I was so shocked because the way you said it made me think it was a completely different person and it was you. And I just wanted to say, say you, say you. Um, <laughs> so um, obviously we're all working on some strategies. So Perla and Ashley, Noel, what would you say is your best strategy to overcome those moments when you're kind of seeing yourself separate from the compliments you're receiving? 
like compliments of when rather when people are complimenting us about like certain things instead of just like how like we express in our stories when we felt imposter. Yeah, the compliments where that imposter syndrome kind of creeps in where you're receiving something and you should be feeling good and you're trying to deny that. I think the biggest thing for me is realizing that people are always going to see us in a different way that we see ourselves. So instead of trying to fight that image of what other people think of us, that we just kind of have to learn to accept that even if we don't see it now, we'll see how they see us in a different point. And that it's always going to be different, our self-image versus the image that other people have of us. And to not dismiss what they have to say to us just because I don't necessarily agree. I think for me, I've also, I've started to learn to stop the feelings or thoughts that you get when it starts because once those feelings do start and they keep rolling for me, it will go on for days where I think that I'm not good enough and stuff like that. So I feel like we also just have to take a step back and really evaluate our thoughts that we have of ourselves um, and really see where it's starting. And that way maybe we can try to stop it as soon as possible before it gets like really damaging to our self-esteem. Um, I like to, you know, take that deep breath and say thank you and stop that moment and hold that moment um, to appreciate it. Um, it's taken a long time to get to that point to be able to take a thank you um, or, or even get a, you know, a gift from someone. Um, but that's usually what I do. I, I take a moment to pause for myself and, and, and feel the moment that I'm living in. Cheryl, I wanted to ask you a question about your story. Um, I feel like I'll speak for myself, too. I just feel like sometimes as women, um, we can feel like we're not the smartest person in the room because of just what society's told us of who's more intelligent or whatever. So I was just curious to know, have you identified like that first thing that happened to you or something where you thought you weren't smart enough? Yes. Um, uh, and it has, it's been within the last like year and a half, two years where I kind of like found that moment. And I remember moving back to Nevada from when a time I lived in Michigan and I was a freshman in high school. So I was starting a new school where I didn't know anybody. Um, I didn't always have like the, um, like the mom who walked me through the school and like showed me where everything was. So I was, I felt like I was going to get lost, but our English teacher took our class to the library and showed us this file cabinet. And she goes in this file cabinet, you're going to find scholarship applications, start thinking about it now. And, you know, things like being in the IB program will, uh, uh, help with your college application. And she was just kind of talking through this, like trying to prepare us for our future. But um, when I asked, because I had no idea what the IB program was, she actually told me I wasn't smart enough for it and not to worry. And at that moment, I just said, okay, here's a teacher. She, she obviously saw my grades or whatever. And gosh, how heartbreaking is that, that I believed her at that moment. But um, yes, she absolutely um, got through to me in a way that I shouldn't have let her. And um, I do believe that where a lot of my um, education and fear with school stems from was from that comment. You should send her a letter mm -hmm. and show her where you are. Yeah. That, you know, like your letter of recommendation from your professor that nominated you for the yeah. end of the year and be like, hmm, guess who's not smart enough now? And just say thank you. 
yeah, that would be a really powerful way to overcome that one in it. Thank you. That's a good idea. What about um, you, Noel or Ashley? What were like the first moments that you thought that's where this like imposter syndrome is coming from? I felt like I was always like one of those like good students in school. Like I was in gate and I did like the gifted programs and I was always like good grades, A's and whatever. And then once I got into high school, because I went to a magnet school, so I wasn't just like with kids that are in my neighborhood. I was going to school with kids all across the valley. And I was sitting in classes where I was starting not to understand things. Like when the education didn't start coming easy to me like it used to. And then I was like meeting people that I felt were like 15 times smarter than me. And so I was like, uh oh, like I was like, I don't know what to do. And it was like, and there were some classes, like no matter how much I studied, no matter what I did, like the best grade I was going to get was a C. And so a lot of those kids that like I felt were so much smarter than me were in like those classes that I wanted to take, like with AP government and were doing We the People. And they were just so much better at retaining information and dates and things like that. So just being around them just kind of made like drop my self-esteem because I started comparing myself to them. So I was like, why can't I? um retain the information like they do why can't I get the grades like they do and things like that when in reality like everyone learns different everyone has their own experiences and so um for the longest time I was just spending my time comparing myself with them instead of looking at myself as an individual and seeing that I was doing the best that I could um for me, I think it's kind of twofold. Um, and in my family, my sister is the smart one. Uh, she's the oldest. She's the brain. Um, I would joke that she got the brain. My brother got the athleticism. He's this, the middle child. And I got what was ever left over from my parents um, to make me. Um, so just seeing my sister always do well, um, I would then have the same teacher she had, and they would call me by her name. And I was like, all right, if you give me an A, keep calling me by her name. Um, and then once I, I got to UCLA, um, just seeing how some of the, what Ashley said, some of the students didn't even have to study. And I was like sitting there working my butt off. Um, I know I was getting, I got some C's for the first time and I was like, what the heck? I was like, wow. And I tried, <laughs> this is not normal. Um, and then eventually, you know, by my last year, I was getting straight A's because I figured out how to apply myself. Um, but I think a, a lot of it was that I was trying to live up to, you know, what my sister was doing. And then when I did graduate with a higher GPA and then I did get a higher LSAT score than her, I was like, oh, I am smarter than her. Okay, I'm done. I don't need to try anymore. It's crazy how we take that gratification from like proving these points. And at some point it seems like we're trying to prove to everyone else that we're smart enough and that we're good enough. But even at that point, like we're still the ones that don't believe it. And that kind of fosters the imposter syndrome where we're still feeling like, we don't belong and that it's just kind of like a competition with other people when we're really just trying to like prove to ourselves like we can do it. I agree. So um, I know that us four here are probably not the only ones listening and discussing this that suffer from imposter syndrome. If there was something that you could share with our listeners um, that you've maybe realized maybe this weekend or this week, I should say, or um, in the past or a tip that's been shared that's helpful, what do you think that would be? What, what do you want to give to our listeners? I think for people that feel like they're suffering from imposter syndrome, that it's not something you should be ashamed of. Like, don't feel bad for feeling 
like an imposter. You just kind of have to sit down and reflect back on why you're feeling that way. And once you find out where it's coming from, then at that point, you can start your journey of personal growth. And then eventually, you'll be able to be like um, Miss Pollins that we spoke with earlier. And you'll be like, there's not a room on this planet that I don't belong in where you will feel confident in every single thing that you're doing, every place that you are, and you will know that you belong and you're worthy and you are enough. For me, um, like truly up to this week, I've not felt imposter syndrome because I wouldn't be lying when I said last week when I was at work, I felt what I was saying in that thing that I wrote. Um, So my thing would be, I hope that everyone finds a support system of other strong women who uplift you because not until this week is when I really felt like I had a voice and that I was, you know, manager material. I want to be a business owner, business owner material. Um, so that would be my biggest thing is finding a group of women who really support you and your dreams because sometimes women can be their own competition and really negative towards each other. And so finding people who genuinely care about you and your career are really important. I agree. I just want to correct myself, Dr. Pollins, not Ms. Pollins. That doctor is very important. I, I think I want to share. Um, I had the opportunity to uh, speak to uh, Dr. Shara Shaw, and she was brave enough to share with many of us that she too has to. Um, face imposter syndrome head on. And she shared this wonderful um, tactile um, idea of like wearing a bracelet so that whenever she catches herself trying to like talk herself back and talk herself out of the compliment or the achievement that she reached, she can just look down and touch it. And um, I actually think that's just quite brilliant to kind of help refocus in the moment. And um, uh, another strategy that would be useful. And I, I can't wait to try it actually. I as well spoke with her. I emailed with her and what I really got from what she said was that she tried to find role models. And I think that's really important to have someone who is like a represent, like just represents the kind of woman that you are. So by finding someone who you really resonate with and see oh, this woman is doing all these achievements and she looks like me and she's has the same background as me. Why can't I do it too? I touched on that when we all first talked. I told you how I have role models in different areas of my life um, because they are my support system and they come in, in different forms. You know, it could be for my academics. Um, it could be for my work. It, it could just be my personal life. Um, for, for me, it was the strong support system. And whether that be my family or my friends or the new people that I meet along the way that have been, um, you know, go, 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 you can do it. That's what really helps for me. Well, I just want um, to say thank you to each of you for um, being so honest and sharing. I, I uh, understand how difficult that is, and I value everything you've said here today. And um, I really think what you shared, our listeners will value as well. So thanks for letting me share this moment with each of you. Thank you. I found a lot of inspiration in what you guys have had to say and your vulnerability really just kind of allowed me to connect with you guys, even though our stories are different, but they're also so similar.